you're enjoying Racing World, it's brought to you by Perspective Group. It's your global motorsport podcast show brought to you in conjunction with Race Control Magazine. Welcome to another edition of Racing World. Well, this week I'm going to go slightly off tangent. It's going to be an opinion piece. Very much want to make that clear right now. This is an opinion. It's my opinion. Whether you like it or not, you're going to hear about it or you will have tuned out by then. Two big events on this weekend, obviously. IndyCar back at Long Beach, around the streets at Long Beach. Fantastic event. And, of course, Formula One. And it returns to Melbourne for the first time in two years. Both great events, and we'll talk more about those shortly. But to the opinion pieces, because here they come. It involves both Formula One and IndyCar. And I'm going to start with Indy. Okay, as I said, we're going to start this thing with Indy, and these are opinions and only my opinions, but they come with a level of fact as well, so let's just see how we go. The 500, it's on the radar, it's only six weeks away, and the problem we have currently, there are only 32 cars entered for the 500, not 33, not 34, not 35, not even 36 like we thought at some stage there would be. 32 doesn't mean there'll be a bump, and really qualifying in some ways becomes a bit of a farce as well. It's very, very disappointing. Can it be resolved? I believe it can be. There's still time. We'll look at the reasons why in a second. Uh, I know there's been a lot of ongoing meetings both at Texas a few weeks ago and again this week at Long Beach to try and resolve this issue. It will be the first time in years that there has only been 32 cars take that green flag and quite frankly that's not good enough. It's just not good enough for what is one of the world's premier races. It's known for a long time that it's going to happen. Teams know about it. The excuses, well, some of them I don't really think are valid, but anyway, we'll talk about that in just a sec. The impacts, of course, it means that there'd be no bump day, um, and that takes away yet another tradition of the 500, and bump day is all about it. Sure, someone always misses out, but the thrill of it, think what happened when Hinchcliffe missed out, Alonso missed out. We're missing all of those things, and they are what make that race so hard to win, so hard to get into, and with 32, you know you're in straight away, so yep, not so good. So what's brought all this about? Well, to start with, we've got less teams that are entering cars or fielding cars. Foyt last year ran four cars, they're down to three this year. Uh, Penske ran four cars, they're down to three this year. Uh, Beth Perenna, she had the all-female outfit, currently not entered, we'll talk more about that. And of course there was the two Carlin cars, which we tend to forget about because we keep thinking that they're going to come back to the series. But as I've found out in the past few days, those cars have actually been sold to Junkos Hollinger Racing. So Carlin are out of IndyCar. They are gone. So any thoughts of Carlin coming back or anything like that, long gone. And as we will have seen, you know, Carlin himself has been around the F2 series recently and the F3 and back to where he came from, those grassroots things. So that's a real shame that Carlin are gone. But the impacts of it, uh, those cars are at Junkos and they ain't intending to race them. They are parked up at the moment. So that's entries that we've lost from last year. The other side issue is engines. Now there is one currently available Honda spec engine for the 500 that Honda have said is available for special circumstances and right now I see special circumstances being the fact that we need to fill the field so Honda good on you well done and let's use that engine and let's get it in a car. To look back on it in 2018 Honda field 19 entries and Chevy 16. In 2019 Honda fielded 18 entries and Chevy fielded 18 entries. In 2021, Honda had 17 and Chevy had 18. And currently for this year, Honda is sitting on 17 and Chevy on a quite miserable 15. So that's kind of, that, that plays into the equation as well. There's been talk of the fact that sponsorship is hard to come by. Well, 
the stories I've heard is most of these teams actually have funding and are good to go. The cars are there, we know that. So what's lacking? The latest story to come out of Indianapolis this week is the thing that is lacking is experienced crew to put behind these entries. It's not a case of cars or dollars or even an engine in this case, it's the fact that crew can't be found or experienced crew can't be found. Now if that's the case then that's something also very reflective on the motorsport scene. I don't believe that crew are an issue. I think there's plenty of crew around. When you look at the, the weekend warriors that do come in for the 500 at times, there are plenty of people sitting around that I believe could fill that and get that 33rd car in. So again, sorry, don't accept that as an excuse. It might be valid, but they can be found. That's what team managers do, and team managers need to find that crew, and we need to have 33 bottom line fact. So looking at the current entry list, Ganassi have five cars. They're in with five because TK comes back for yet another swan song appearance. Maybe this will be the last. You always keep saying it's going to be the last. I think this probably could be because he will get to do it in front of a crowd and that's what he's always wanted. But they're in for five. Penske are down to three as we've mentioned. Foyt are down to three as we've mentioned. McLaren, they stump up. They come up to three from two full-time entries, bringing the third car in for Juan Pablo Montoya. And quite frankly, that could be a race-winning combination there. We know that. Ray Heller with three. Dale Coyner with two. Dreyer Reinbold are back in their normal Indy 500 appearance, but with two cars rather than the normal one. So congrats to Dreyer Reinbold. They're fielding Ferrucci and Sage Karam as always, and that's a great thing. Sad part that I'm hearing is that this could be the last appearance of Dreyer Reinbold at the 500 because their motorsport program is taking them into other avenues. I certainly hope not. They've done so much for the 500. Let's hope they have a very successful 500 and well done on two entries. Andretti Autosport are back. They've got five, so they've stumped up one extra one. Normally they'd go as high as six. Michael Andretti has said no, we're staying at five. The fifth and extra car is for Marco, uh, and that'll cap them off at five entries. And then the other teams, Shanka there with two, with Simon Pagano and Elio, certainly a strong combination. And then Julkos Hollinger racing with the one car for Callum Eilat. And that is the current field as it sits right now. So we need to fill this 32. So where's, or 33 I should say. So where's it gonna come from? Well, these are theories at the moment. Top Gun Racing, uh, that ran RC Emerson, that ain't gonna happen. It will look like it could happen. The car is there, the car is ready. There's a spare car there as well, but there are all sorts of issues, legal issues involving ownership of the tub and various other things. So that ain't going anywhere, that's stalled, which is again, a real shame, politics of the sport, but that's the way it happens. Uh, Catherine Legg was rumoured to be involved in a team at one stage and was very close evidently. That's now been sidelined. That would have been good to see her back there, but that ain't going to happen either. So the possibilities of where it's going to come from come down to really two that I currently see anyway, and they're the obvious two. And that would be Beth Perina Motorsport coming back with Simona Di Silvestra, taking that Honda engine, the issue there is obviously they ran Chevy last year uh, under the Penske banner. So if they take the Honda engine, where are they going to get the chassis from? So that's a problem, but it could always be resolved. These things can be resolved. Then the other team that's still in the equation is Cusick Motorsports representing Stefan Wilson. They have the funding. There is absolutely no doubt about that. They have the funding. Stefan Wilson would be very much welcomed back in the field. 
uh, has driven Honda obviously when he drove with Andretti so there's some good combinations there just got to get that one over the line the other rumoured ones that floated around for a little while was Zach Veach uh, doing a lease even on a Chevy um, but there was nothing that really came to that in the end uh, and a major backer that was behind Veach pulled out so that one was gone so really it does come down to these two we hope that at Long Beach this weekend someone can kind of stump up we need to get to 33 the race needs 33, the fans need 33, everybody needs 33. Actually, 34 or 35 would have been a hell of a lot better, that's for sure. Roger Penske, what's he going to do? Is he going to sit on the sidelines and just let the thing happen at 32? Or is he going to suddenly wheel a fourth car out? I don't think so. I think if he does anything, he'll lend support to maybe the Paretha Motorsport entry and make that happen and distance himself from it but in the background obviously make it happen that's got a possibility but I can't see there being an instant fourth Penske entry just to make this thing happen. The bottom line fact with it all is that this 500 will be the first 500 since 2019 that potentially will have a full crowd. If you look on the web at the moment and try and find accommodation anywhere in the Indianapolis area and the outskirts of Indianapolis as far as maybe 50, 60 miles away from Indy, there is not that much accommodation left and it's expensive. So all the good stuff's gone. Um, that's not to put people off from going because surely they'll free up and obviously there's the motorhome parks and everything like that. But the fan interest is massive uh, on scale of what we saw around the 100th running of the race. So I think that part of the puzzle was well and truly sorted. There's lots of other things that are missing currently. Um, carb day is not what it was. There's no Freedom 100 race. The pit stop competition has only just reappeared on the schedule. Hopefully it's there. The final run for carb day is now two hours and not 90 minutes. And it happens in the afternoon to try and, I think, artificially fatten out the day. There's no practice on Monday. That's done and dusted. Teams will have an extra couple of hours on Sunday after the shootout for the pole. Uh, and then teams can put their cars into race spec and there's two hours on track. And then the track remains silent for the best part of a week. So there's, there's a lot of things kind of missing around this. This is the 106th edition of this race. And as I said, it must, it must have 33 cars in it. So somewhere along the line, you want to be in. And just remember that you potentially are going to walk away with a couple of hundred thousand just for starting 33rd anyway, even if you finish 33rd. So, you know, I'd hate to see someone just circulate for a couple of laps and then pull in. That's not the way to do it either. And we don't deserve a field that way. We deserve an honest, hard race. So, yep, things are looking good, um, but they could look better. Then moving on to other things, and I'm going to talk about this one a little bit more shortly, but IndyCar right now needs to watch its back. It, it really does. Formula One making big impacts in the US now, very, very much wanting to increase its share in the US. IndyCar kind of had it in its own backyard for a while, but the announcement last week of the Vegas race, three Grand Prix in the US, that's going to threaten IndyCar. The interesting thing with the Vegas race is that it's happening Thanksgiving weekend. It's happening on a Saturday night at 10.30 local time time in Vegas or thereabouts. So that's about 1.30 in the morning on the East Coast in the US. So it's not ideal television times. It will work for Europe and that's obviously what it's designed around to do and it's designed around to work with Vegas. The other part of that puzzle of course is the fact that it's going up against the NFL season and Thanksgiving Day weekend. But of course most of those games happen on a Sunday. So again note to IndyCar, lessons learned here Formula One's not afraid of Thanksgiving and it's not afraid of the NFL, so maybe, just maybe, we need to be considering that for the longevity of the fan base of IndyCar as well. Fields are fantastic in IndyCar right now, don't get me wrong, it's very good, it's very healthy, there's good sponsorship there, 
but it can tip so quickly. So right now, word of caution. The other thing that Jay Fry announced from IndyCar just recently is the fact that they don't really intend in the immediate future to look at international events. They intend to stay North American based. Obviously, Canada doesn't kind of count. You go to Canada anyway. The return of the Toronto street race. Maybe Mexico would come into consideration, but that would be the only thing. Um, I think that's a wise move. They don't need Australia. They don't need Rockingham in the UK. They don't need any of those events. IndyCar is a North American-based series. It needs to stay in there, but it needs to do it well. And right now is the time to do it well. The other thing, of course, that happened in the recent week was the fact that the 2.4-litre V6 <laughs> hybrid engine ran at the Speedway. Scott Dixon uh, working for Honda there and Joseph Newgarden working for Chevy as the two nominated drivers to test the first version of the 2024 spec engine. Now, it was missing a lot of the components in terms of the hybrid recovery systems and things like that, but the engine ran faultlessly everyone said that it was a great day, is a very important step in the running of that engine for both Honda and Chevy and IndyCar. And we'll see that engine on track in 2024. Again, a concern, and I've had this concern before, if we want a third manufacturer in this series, we need to get them in now because any manufacturer is going to go, hold on, these guys have got a head start on me, don't want that, it's not good for me, uh, no, I'm not going to come into it. So if you're a third engine manufacturer, now's the time to get in there before these guys get too much on you. But the bottom line fact is that the engines felt like they could race tomorrow, sure, admittedly, without the hybrid technology necessarily fully in there, but they were good to go, so that's a positive sign. Equally, there was due to be a road course test which was postponed a few days because of the temperatures in Indianapolis. It was so cold, it was even some snow there, but this is kind of that early April period where this thing happens, and of course then we hit the month of May and the weather can do anything. Uh, disappointing for the teams that they didn't get a test in, but you know that's the way the cookie crumbles, and uh, obviously on track this weekend at Long Beach. Long Beach, a great place, but the run of races starts now as well. It's Long Beach, then it's Barber to the permanent road course at Barber. Very, very technical circuit uh, and amongst all those sculptures and everything, fantastic. And then straight out of that into Indy Grand Prix on the road course. Penske being dominant at the road course events for so many years now. Form guide to the 500, none. It's just the fact that it takes place inside the grounds of IMS, but that will be the start of what well, we used to call it the month of May, we'll now call it the middle of the month of May, and really the, the slight downplay on uh, practice required for the 500 this year. I don't want the 500 to be dumbed down. I've spent 20 odd years covering this, it deserves to have those 33, and I'm going to keep harping on about it, but for now, I think you've got the message. I'll leave IndyCar there because I've probably caused more than enough damage by now. And we're moving on to Formula One and plenty of news there. And of course, the big news last week, Vegas. Oh yeah, baby, it's Vegas time for Formula One. So just what does it mean, Formula One having three races in the US? It's been a long-term part of Liberty Media's strategy. Slowly and surely, they always said that they were going to grow the American market. They've drip-fed social media in there, drip-fed YouTube channel content in there just continually done that as part of a long-term strategy to grow the profile of Formula One. Obviously this year we have the first of the new races in the US with Miami, uh, a street race, unknown circuit, but it's taking into the eastern part of the US market and still we have the race at Cota which has been there for a few years at Austin and now the announcement on the west coast of the Vegas race. The move for the Vegas race is massive. Uh, Governor Sisolak for the state of Nevada, massive undertaking from him, massive undertaking from getting all the casinos to come to an agreement. The way Vegas works and the way that famous strip works is everyone has to align. Many years ago there was a big debate about running monorails up the Vegas strip 
and not all the casinos could come into an agreement with it. So to get the casinos to agree to a Grand Prix is foresight on their behalf because they know what it's worth. The big thing for a lot of those casinos along the strip is they will actually have rooms that look out onto the Grand Prix track and one can only imagine what those rooms are going to sell for. I've noticed on the web already that you can place inquiry bookings into a lot of those places to inquire and express your interest in a room for 2023 so surely that means there's going to be an expensive price tag that comes with it. As an example Vegas is known for large sporting events, it has the NFL, it has a competitive ice hockey team, it has big fight nights as we well know and it is also known for massive massive conferences. I attended a TV conference there several years ago, it's held every year. I can honestly tell you the prices for rooms during that television conference which ranges for over four days almost triple in price because there's so much demand on it. 100,000 people attend that conference so imagine what's going to happen when a Grand Prix comes to town. But equally it's going to offer heaps, Vegas offers heaps, fine dining, fine shopping and now a Grand Prix down the famous strip. The strip itself is going to be completely resurfaced asphalt wise. The undertaking and doing that and still making Vegas work is massive, absolutely massive. The build of the circuit is incredibly massive, it's more disruptive than many people will ever give it credit for. Vegas Strip never sleeps, so to build the Grand Prix track down there is a huge undertaking, great commitment from the city of Las Vegas and it deserves to have the first three years that it's got and we'll see how it goes from there. The circuit itself, yeah, it could be a bit boring but it's going to have plenty of high speeds and it's got a unique shape but it's certainly going to go past many casinos and for Grand Prix drivers I think that'll be a pretty amazing look and at night time Vegas Strip certainly comes alive far better than having it happen during the day. And of course this week we returned to Melbourne for the Australian Grand Prix. It was two years ago that COVID really hit the world. Thursday practice happened in Melbourne, everything was looking good, supercars had been out there and then Friday morning the announcement came that COVID had hit Formula One. Uh, there was a COVID infection inside McLaren and then there was talk of it spreading and then the whole world effectively changed from that weekend onward. Formula One went into a hiatus, everything changed but finally Formula One hits Australia and it hits Melbourne again. Fantastic circuit, uh, one that's well and truly fitting to be on, on the calendar. Some great changes that have been made to the circuit, great host city, uh, fabulous weekend, really looking forward to seeing uh, Melbourne. What form guide can we take into Melbourne from what we've seen so far this year? Probably not a lot, but I would be expecting to see aero changes both from Red Bull, who've said that there's something in the wind, and obviously Mercedes will be working massively to try and combat some of their problems. And then just before we go, Autocar in the US did a recent survey and I've really clung on to this one and done a little bit of research myself. I think it's really valid when we're talking about uh, Grand Prix coming to Vegas and the costs and maybe even the costs around the Indy 500 weekend in Indianapolis. There were three cost factors taken into account about Grand Prix. The cost of tickets, the cost of meals in the city that you were in and the cost of hotels. So surprise, surprise, here we go, the breakdown in costs. The most expensive race ticket in the entire Formula 1 season for a three-day grandstand ticket in US dollars is $700. And guess where that is? Monaco. Probably the Grand Prix that could be under threat with Vegas coming into the calendar because there seems to be a lot of talk about that and Spa retaining their place in the calendar for next year. So that'll be interesting to see. But $700 or buy you three days worth of grandstand viewing in Monaco. The second most expensive, and this has been out there for a little while, is the new race in Miami in South Florida. And ticket prices for a three-day grandstands ticket there start at around $640. So certainly not cheap to go to Miami, uh, probably not easy to get to. 
depending where you come from, but 640 bucks it's going to cost you to get into a grandstand. The cheapest tickets in the season for grandstand seats, again in US dollars, the Hanguro Ring, you can probably get a seat for around, or three days worth of seats there for around 127 US. And then for both Australia, Azerbaijan and Brazil, you can all get in there for around 200 bucks US. The one thing about Australia, as soon as we've been talking about that, Australia offers great vantage points with a GA ticket as well and the, the banks that they have to sit on. The only thing is you've got to get in early and reserve your spot, but there's some good viewing things there for sure. As a comparison to the other US venues, Cota came in at around 235 so it's still not too expensive to go to Cota and it offers plenty of viewing platforms. So Cota will be the cheapest of the US ones then currently Miami, and I'm expecting Vegas is going to be up there. Now to accommodation. Well, again, there's probably no surprise here. Two nights at the Yas Marina circuit in Abu Dubai. It's going to cost you roughly 2,100 US for two nights. So imagine what three nights is going to cost you. Uh, one of the most expensive hotel stays in the calendar. Surprisingly, in the hotel breakdown, and again, just two days of accommodation, the other most expensive circuits were Spa at 2,400 US, Monaco at about 1,800 US, Australia at around 1,600 US, although I'd debate that one because I feel that there are other options. They were all in there, so again, it was quite, quite varied, but then again, you can get other accommodation, uh, you know, around the three to $400 mark for a couple of nights, so there's plenty of variety. I think what the key to any of these things, just like the 500, is you book early and get in early. Then of course it came down to the other part of the equation, meals. Now we all tend to eat at different levels of the uh, price spectrum, so we say, but an average couple of nights worth of meals in Monaco was going to cost you around 330 US, and I think that's probably just the tip of the iceberg, and then probably one of the cheapest <laughs> was in the UK at around $108 if you went to the Grand Prix at Silverstone, but that might have just been a pie and mushy peas. But it, it varies considerably depending where you go. Um, I don't really think meal factor comes into it, it's the same at Indy, you can eat high end in Indianapolis and you can eat low end, you can eat in the middle of the road, so um, I don't take that one into account. Ticket prices I do and accommodation I do. And then of course if you're travelling from somewhere around the world then it costs. Again I'm going to pick on Vegas because Vegas is the new one to the calendar. The thing about Vegas is that it offers so much, the hotels and casinos offer everything from fine dining to shopping experiences uh, to absolutely fabulous hotel rooms. Every price angle is covered in Vegas so it's going to come down to what you're prepared to spend. Well there you have it, that's my thoughts on IndyCar and Formula One and the recent developments in both series. Certainly hope that there's a scenario that plays out this weekend when the teams are in Long Beach to resolve the 32 car field because we need to get that to 33 and as I said I would love to see 34. I know it's very hard on the 34th person but man it just makes Sunday so much magic at Indy and that's what Indy's all about. As for Formula One, yeah I think it's great that it's going to Vegas. Would I attend the race? Yeah, I probably would because I'm a Vegas fan. I think that Vegas has a lot of things for it. It would be a fantastic race. Um, maybe that's something to save the pennies for. <laughs> we'll just have to wait and see. Long Beach, very hard to predict a winner based on the form we've seen this year. You'd have to say Penske are in the equation. Not always for New Zealand viewers. Not always a good uh, track for Dixon. So we need to see Dixon perform here and certainly get some good points on the board and just start to cement 
a run in the championship. Even though we're only a couple of races in, this run of races is really going to determine how this championship goes. And just why I'm having a little bit of a bitch and a moan today, I'm still anti-double points at Indy. I think that the championship is a championship and the double points at Indy can destroy a championship and you're not even halfway into the series. So I'm still not a fan of double points. That's another little opinion piece for you there before we go today. Uh, really, really looking forward to both races. We'll be across IndyCar all weekend and obviously some updates from Melbourne as well. The priority will be around IndyCar at Long Beach and we look forward to seeing you again next week on maybe a slightly softer opinioned racing world. Thank you.